This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Gary Graham, ambassadors of all in Star Trek. You're listening to Warp 5. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and joining me in the captain's dining room tonight is chief engineer and co-captain, Brandon Shea Matala. How's it going, Brandon? I better get double pay if you give me two jobs, chief engineer and co-captain. Well, you know, the the, the co-captain, that's, I, I noticed that you wrote that on your uh, your station, you know, with uh, on the little sign that you stuck to your station, so I thought I should mention it. You know, I also put it on my little name tag. <laughs> Brandon, post- super important guy. <laughs> with a post-it note. No, man, yeah. Ch- chief engineer. Seriously, y- y- man, if it wasn't for your uh, engineering skills for Warp Five, we wouldn't exist. So, uh, I can at least let you have the captain seat sometimes. You know, I mean, that's 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 awesome. It's not very comfortable because it's already got like your butt grooves in it, <laughs> and it's like a centimeter too high, right? Yes. <laughs> too low. I'm way taller than you are. Oh, you're not way taller than me. How tall are you? Six three. I'm six six. Oh, that's like way taller than you. Oh, three well. inches is a lot. Ask anybody. Okay. <laughs> sure. All right. So I'll be sure to lower my seat just a little bit more. Yeah. Along there you with go. your expectations. Right. Okay. And also joining us tonight is new guest to Warp 5. He's the co-host of Earl Grey and Trek FM's production manager, Richard Marquez. Welcome aboard, Richard. Yay! I'm so glad to be here. My first time. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we've been talking about having you on for a little bit. And man, I, I mean, this is a perfect time. This is a perfect time, especially with your last Earl Grey that dropped. This is a perfect, perfect time for you. So thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much for coming on, Richard. Yeah, no problem. I am happy and glad to be here on the NX01. <laughs> yes. So before we get going, let's talk a little bit about your Star Trek fandom. So where did you get your start in Star Trek? Like what series got you going, Richard? Well, uh, funny enough, it's TNG. Um, uh, actually, if anyone wants to hear about it, I mean, I, we actually did the episode review. Uh, it's Earl Grey 163, and basically, um, my fandom started because of Tin Man. Uh, it was the very first time uh, I actually watched, uh, watched and um, as, a, as a kid back in the early 90s, and haven't stopped watching Star Trek since. So, yeah, absolutely uh, love that episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. Very good. So what did you think about Enterprise on your first watch? Because mo- most people, when I ask them that, you know, I usually always ask someone the first time they're on, what did they think about on first watch? So what what did you think? Uh, to be brutally honest, uh, I thought it was junk <laughs> when right. I first watched it. And that was, I only watched, I think, I can't remember what episode it was. Um, and I think, I think it was Terra Nova actually it was, and I'm oh. not too, yeah, I'm not too fond oh. of Terra Nova. Um, but like, uh, but this was, uh, when Enterprise was going on, I was actually in the military. So, um, I was actually busy with that. So, uh, but yeah, the, um, when I first, I didn't really give it a chance. I only watched one episode and it really didn't stick to me. Um, and well, like I said, Terra Nova. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, I thought you were going to get somebody on who liked Star Trek. <laughs> like, who is this well, guy? this guy said he did. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll save it for a second. You know, keep the airlock open though. Right. Okay. <laughs> on so, standby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I even... We've had several people like Patrick Devlin, um, Dayton Ward. A lot of people have said that that on the first watch, it was just a strange time to watch Star Trek, you know, with what was going on, you know, in the world. It was just a strange time, you know, and I I couldn't catch it on UPN. My goodness, it was all over the place and they changed the times and the nights and it, it got preempted all the time by whatever sporting event was going on. So, yeah, it was, it, it's so similar how everyone's the first time through that was, they kind of have similar stories, but since then you've had a rewatch. So what, what caught, kind of caught your attention on the rewatch or how, how did that go? Well, um, it was probably about, I don't know, three, four years ago or, uh, or whenever, uh, Norman was actually starting with warp five and it got me to, why don't rewatch it and, you know, give it another chance. I mean, shoot, it was Star Trek. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll, um, I'll just watch it again and give it another try. And I actually fell in love with it. It, it took, it took maybe a few episodes, but I actually fell in love with, uh, Enterprise. And to be quite honest, I didn't even know Enterprise existed until after, uh, until I, after, well, it was it was a couple of years after it uh, it ended, and I didn't even re- at that time I didn't even know there was four uh, four seasons. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, when I rewatch when I watched when I started watching on Netflix, uh, I absolutely started falling in love with it. It's it's I mean, it, I, honestly, I don't even know why I didn't like it back uh, back when I watched it the first time, and I, I just yeah, I mean it's. It's amazing. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> right. I mean, I had the same reaction. Like I couldn't catch it. Didn't get to see, like I only got to saw a few episodes of season three. Didn't get to see any of season four during first run. And I, I just completely lost track of it. And then when it, it came on Netflix, that's, I, I was like, well, I've just got to do it. I've got to, I've got to go through it. I got to see it. Cause it's Star Trek. Blew yeah, me away. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that, it was it was over by the time I started watching it, so I could binge watch the whole entire thing because there was no way I could have survived week to week watching that because right. it was it was I thought it was great television. I really did. I mean, it's one of my like I said, one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it's Definitely. funny, Brandon. It's funny how our our guests have such similar stories, right, Brandon? I think a lot of people did, and it's been described by a lot of people as 
you know, franchise fatigue is what they called it when, when Enterprise first came out back in 2001. You know, it, it's been recorded many times that the creators of the show wanted to take a break after Voyager, but the networks wanted them to push on. They wanted to keep going. And we were talking with Manny Cotto for episode 100, and I think season seven of 24 was the best season and they had a break. Like there was, that was the year that they had the writer's strike, you know, 10 years ago now. And they were forced to have a break because they couldn't get the full 24 episodes. So they waited one year and I think it allowed them to catch their breath to come at it again with fresh ideas. And I really think that enterprise would have benefited from even just a one year break in between Voyager. Mm-hmm. I, I totally t- agree with that. I and agree. season seven is the best on 24. <laughs> oh man, that way that started that whole opening sequence there when Tony comes back and the uh, I'm awful with actors' names, but uh, the guy that played Flox is in it. Yeah, he's, yep. he's in the oh, I can't you know, Billingsley. Billingsley's yeah, in it. Yeah. John Billingsley's in it. Like what a terrible! I just been fired. I just fired myself from Warp Five, so we're looking <laughs> and- for a new host. Uh, anyways, but yeah, he's in it. Like that that whole season was just epic. Yeah, and Tony Anima- uh, Alameda is actually on the new one. I know so, I haven't watched yet. No spoilers at all. Oh no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just, let, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> so, so, Richard, what would you say is your favorite episode of Enterprise now? Uh, you know, unexpected. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, there's a lot of them that I really like. Uh, I, I just figured I'd uh, go off of the one that I downloaded the, um, the more often, or just went back more often, or or remembered. Uh, obviously, besides uh, in a, in a mirror darkly, I mean that's my one of my very favorite. I love that episode. Um, but like um, Fortunate Son, okay, I love it. I don't know what it. I don't know what about it. Uh, it's space truckers and or in space, um, hauling you know dilithium back and forth. I, for some reason, I love that episode. Mainly, probably because of the conflict between the Nosigans and um, the Enterprise. Really, I mean. That's kind of like the very first interaction between, you know, ma- I guess a major power in in uh, in space. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love that episode, and I find myself watching that one far more often. But then again, I also love the song too. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say it's because of the song by Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> That's also one of my favorites too. Nice. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, I'd actually mentioned recently that uh, when Travis had went moved back over to his uh, ship, that that could have been a chance for uh, Anthony Montgomery to have gotten a little uh, extra attention, you know, maybe over by himself for a little bit. And we could have had a, you know, the thread going with his, if he had left with his family for mm. a little bit, we could have seen like what a space truck stop looks like. You know, you know, this in all the cool space stations and uh, markets and things that they would run into and things. So, yeah, that's 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 something that you don't you don't really hear that much about in the other series, you know, but that was that was something we've got here for Enterprise. All right. So, Richard, who who would you say is your favorite character in the series? Uh, I actually met him last year, actually, funny enough, uh, at our Starfest here in Denver, and it's Connor Trenere. Oh wow! As cool. Commander Trip, I love that dude. I don't know why. It must be the accent or something like that, or just 
he's an engineer and I, uh, I, you know, you know, he's basically, he's another, I mean, uh, as I said on Earl Grey, you know, he's, he's another pioneer in, um, in, I guess, warp propulsion, I guess that's what you can call it. Yeah. Um, or engineer or warp specialist or something like that. And, you know, he basically kind of wrote the book on, I mean, we really didn't see it as much. We just saw him make it happen <laughs> on the show. Like I need more speed. Okay. <laughs> Keep your shirt on, Captain. Right. <laughs> but I, so, I, so I, you I, like the accent, hey? Does the accent uh, <laughs> makes it weak in the knees there? Just, just, just a just little, little bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, it's it's he's so laid back. I mean, that's kind. Of, I think that's part of the reason why I also love love him as well. He's he's such an ordinary person in space. I mean, everyone that we've seen on the shows are like you know have advanced degrees. Uh, is a warfighter or um, someone who went through the academy and, you know, is a plain, plain doe um, a person that comes through the academy that just happens to excel on a starship. I don't know. <laughs> but good. I love him. He's great. Yep. Trip is definitely the eyes of the audience, I think, or, or at least the humans, if they were coming at it from a, a fresh perspective, you know, haven't been out there, this, this is where they would be seeing it. I mean, he's not straight professional by the book like you see other characters i mean he kind of he goes with his emotions he goes with what he thinks humans and what how other people should be acting or how other species should be acting so yep i like i like trip originally it had been mentioned that he was uh he thought he was going to be from oklahoma so that's how he actually starred himself and he didn't really find out until season three that he was really from florida so like from so that's how they uh Actually, it's not that different, though. Like, the accent and everything is pretty much the same. Texas, Florida, you know, all the southern states, It's it, you pretty much can't tell where you've been, you know. You got, all you Americans sound the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what was that about? A, a boot? A boot. A boot. <laughs> Sabotage. Yeah. Man, I listen to these podcasts. Y'all say y'all all the time. <laughs> I purposely don't because I mean that was like <laughs> I grew up hearing that I am all around it all the time I don't say it but that is speaking Texan you know that is that is a thing you know so um, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about Jonathan Archer and recently on Earl Grey it was episode one seventy six I believe it was I was there was an episode basically c comparing Captain Picard to all the other captains and. I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, you know, like, okay, well, I've, yeah, I was actually agreeing quite a bit with the analysis that we had for Captain Picard there. And Richard stated multiple times that Captain Archer was his number one captain. So, of course, the gears got to spinning and I just knew I needed to have Richard on the show, you know, to talk, talk about this little bit. So, Richard, at what point did you realize that Archer was your favorite captain? And I got to say, before you say that, Richard, that's just crazy talk because Cisco's the best captain. What? That's crazy. You got to stop drinking that Canadian water, dude. And you guys had, I, okay, so I'm going to correct something that you guys had on that episode because I did listen. You're like, whoa, Cisco, that's all you like is baseball. What about cooking? You guys cooking all the time. That was Patrick, not me. Yeah, well, you're, you're all wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, Cisco I... punched Q. You don't get any better than that. That's true, but I—you would have thought he would have came back for more. I, 
He couldn't. That Cisco knocked him so hard, Q couldn't even come back. He's like, I'm not even dealing with this guy anymore. Hit him back to the continuum? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love Archer. I mean, he's... I mean, when... I first initially watched this uh, this season. I, I think he didn't hit his stride in, in the first season. I think it was like starting two, three, and then on. Um, uh, really, he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, it was like you know, basically commanding by the seat of his pants, or uh, and it just it, it was it it, it wasn't int- it, to me. It wasn't interesting in the first season. I mean, all the characters were fantastic. They were great. Interacted really uh, really well. You can tell, um, you know, who knew each other and whatnot, and I love that interpersonal um, sort of uh, sort of play. But when Captain Archer really hit his stride in season two, and then even the Zindi arc, um, when he got dark, that's what I really loved about him. It's like you know, every captain goes through that kind of like dark time when something happens, uh, when 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 a bad situation happens, and of course they're going to go into that dark uh, dark area where they're not supposed to be. But like he brings he brings himself out and he does what he needs to do and that's to save humanity and that's it, it's just it's so inspiring to see him just <laughs> I mean it's so inspiring to see him uh, just be like that and it's just I don't see that in any other captain because I mean yeah Cisco's great great combat leader and all that kind of stuff but the reality is, is that he doesn't inspire me. Like Archer does, he's so. There we go. He's emotional. He's a very, he's a very emotional guy, but keeps it in check to the point to where he, um, where he inspires his troops and or or, or his crew. No, probably shouldn't say troops, <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, that's that's ultimately what I mean. I I I was moved, very much moved. <laughs> very good, very good. So, who was your favorite captain before Archer? It was Cisco. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, but now he's at the bottom of my list now. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're breaking up here. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, based on you know, after watching Enterprise, I mean, yeah, Cisco. It went from it went Cisco, Picard, Janeway. Um. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all the captains. Um. <laughs> oh, there was this yeah. one guy named Kirk. Yeah. 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 I just realized that. <laughs> <laughs> so it went uh, Cisco, Kirk, Picard, and then Did you find Jay this guy, Floyd? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Found me in the Raptors over in Nero Gray. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, watching watching Enterprise, he, he skyrocketed to the top. And I, mainly because he inspires me. He really does. I mean, there have been episodes that we've, we've all taught, we that we always watch for inspiration or, you know, to, you know, I guess uh, if you're having a bad day, something to lift you up. I just watch Enterprise and I'm good. <laughs> right. Well, I I agree. I think like Scott Bakula played Archer, uh, played Archer up. You know, like you said, he they all of them kind of had to get their footing in season one. But once they got going, I I liked the like the character Archer. You know how. Um, he seemed approachable as a captain. Like he seemed like the type of captain that if you're walking down the corridor, he would initiate good morning, mm-hmm. but still do it in a very serious professional way. But he seemed like the type that would generally like say good morning to you. Whereas it's also I was, a small crew. Right. But I was also thinking about like, 
you know, comparing it to the other captains like Picard, I don't know if he would acknowledge I existed. You know, I, you know, he might look at me if I said good morning to him, but he definitely wouldn't initiate it. And I'm re- honestly, just thinking about it, he might not even ex- acknowledge that I even said anything. He might just like stare a hole in the wall past me as he goes on by. Uh, Kirk seems like the type that would look at you, smile, but not really say anything. You know, Cisco uh, kind of the same way. Cisco would punch you. <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, you just Where's yeah, my rack to Gino, right? Just get up against the wall. No, it's too hot. <laughs> just get up against the wall and wait for him to go by. You know, um, Janeway. I don't know. It just depends on what's going on. You know. I, yeah, I, I guess you could say. Yeah, he's probably the most approachable one um, out of all out of all of them. It, it's it seems like he's one of those captains that. Hey, let's go. Let's go play some ball or something like that. You know, get to know um, his crew and, and whatnot. But then again, it was a small ship. True. And you know, uh, if we're comparing it to like the size of the ship, I mean, obviously the Enterprise, the Hotel Enterprise, um, <laughs> it's just True. so massive um, that I mean, like what? It, it's a thousand um, crew members, I think. It's um, that's right. that the Enterprise has, or the Enterprise D, and. Uh, you know, I guess if you want to get noticed by Picard, you could, you know, spill uh, hot chocolate on him if you want. Right. <laughs> or bring your, bring your kid to the bridge, right? Yeah. Uh, Sonia Gomez. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I I guess it's kind of like what you're saying. You're you're comparing like a big city to a small town. You know, in small town, most people know each other and they're friendly and things. In a big city, some people, you know, people can just walk right past each other and not ever speak. You know, so. and, it, and it could be the same thing for uh, Deep Space Nine. It is true. basically a, a gas station with right. a repair bay. Right. <laughs> I think I might be offended by that. <laughs> I don't Archer, think... though, he Archer's the kind of guy that you could sit down and have a beer with. I think, though, you know, he seems like that kind of guy. You know, you'd sit down, and go for drinks, you'd eat some salted peanuts, and watch your water polo. <laughs> right. Oh, at, at a time when uh, beer was actually beer and not synthol. That's oh, right. Yeah, you got true. it. So. But yeah, he does seem like that kind of guy. Like, he seems relaxed. I had mentioned this in the commentary with Dayton Ward. And I don't know if it's Scott Bakula, because honestly, I haven't seen a lot of Scott Bakula's other acting roles. Like, I used to watch Quantum Leap when I was younger. So I don't know if that's just his style. But he does remind me a lot of William Shatner's portrayal of Captain Kirk with the way that he talks, you know, his the way that he enunciates words. So... But but he's a little bit more casual than William Shatner and his portrayal of Kirk. Right. Like he belongs there or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just like a more friendly atmosphere, I think, is what I'm what I'm kind of meaning. Like Kirk kept a rigidity. You know, he was he was casual. He had this this type of tone that commanded respect. But he was the kind of captain who would lead people, and he would, you know, he was the kind of captain who would go on the away missions and stuff. And while Archer does that as well, you know, he's a little more laid back, and I think he's a little more friendly with his crew. Right. Well, I, yeah. I actually, I like Kirk a lot. Like I, I don't know if it's because out of nostalgia, you know, like I have out of for the original series or what it is. I mean, I really like Kirk. And he he's like the type that could smile and it's all jokey and things. But then when it's serious, like he'll just jerk your head off, you know, with like a look. He seems like um, Archer. He seems to be more collaborative. But when it's time to when it's time for him 
to lay it down, it seems like he might be a little, he's like maybe too close to everyone. And it could just be because it's a smaller crew and he's friends. He's actually becomes friends with some of them or he was friends with them. Um, Archer also seems to be uh, recognizing that it is uncomfortable to be around him since he's the captain. So then maybe he tries a little harder to not intimidate people as much. I don't know. Like like the flip side of that is Picard seems like he enjoys intimidating with his presence. I, I mean, I may just be looking at that wrong, you know, but I mean like right away, the very first episode, the first season of TNG, it seemed like Picard was kind of trying to intimidate people with his presence. Well, it's just a different command, you know, command. What's the word I'm looking for? A command style style style. Yeah. Right. Style. And, you know, Picard wants to maintain that distance. And I think part of the reason, like, I don't think that they ever really thought about this, but I think in hindsight and retconning, I think part of the reason is because he was close friends with Jack Crusher. And if you get into the expanded universe, the novels and stuff like that, you know, um, they had served together for a while before Jack Crusher died. And they had been friends for a long time before Jack Crusher died under his command. And so I think that was a very drastic experience and, and really affected Picard deeply. And that's why part of the reason why he puts up that barrier between his crew okay. and himself. Well, it's also a different time and age for both of them. I mean, there really wasn't anything like what Archer was experiencing I mean, for the very, very first time. I mean, they had to gel together as a crew and... Um, basically, uh, you know, had to trust each other. I mean, I, I would rather, I would rather get to know you if we're out in the middle, uh, out in the middle of unknown space. And, you know, I want to know, you know, I want to know your capabilities and, and be that kind of person. And, you know, it, it works better anyway, if you know the person too, but like with the, with the enterprise, I just think that, you know, I, I critique the enterprise quite a bit when, or the enterprise D, um, quite a bit when it comes to like it's when the show was happening or at least when in the timeline for Star Trek that really nothing really wasn't going on there was like there wasn't a war there really wasn't a, a golden age of exploration really um, and yeah I know they were like on the on the uh, on the outskirts of um, the galaxy but I don't know it's just you know comparing it to like other uh, other shows it's it wasn't it wasn't as exciting. It was more exciting uh, uh, with the episodes that dealt with interplanetary problems. Right, right. Was, was the ones that I really liked. I, yeah, I, I definitely see that. You know, because it, it was just business as usual. You know, during right. the TNG era, it was just kind of like this is what we do. It's kind of routine. This is how we do it. Uh, you know, and like Ar- Archer said, they're making history with every light year. It was just yeah, it's just a different feel. Mm-hmm. Um, now. On TNG, like I actually like Captain Jellico. I can I can do a defense of Captain Jellico. And oh my gosh, don't get me started on the the <laughs> the Enterprise D's crew as far as Captain <laughs> Jellico goes. But did you Yes okay, I did. Sorry. Yes I did. So, you heard it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I I think Picard would have been disappointed. You know, so just putting that out there, I think he would have been disappointed in his crew. You know, if he'd known what was going on with that. Um, the other side, I mean, Archer seems way far away from being like a Jellico, though. I mean, like you said, it's a small town. He invites his officers in for the uh, breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like he's trying to get to know him, try, you know, that. But there was a huge shift in Archer's character 
after he started losing people. And I think that's kind of like what Brandon was going toward there was Picard's, you know, start distancing himself from the crew mm-hmm. after he had had to command his friend and his friend, you know, passed away. So now if you get too close, you're, it's hard for you to send people into where they need to go. You know, even if it's whether they get there or not, or get done, come back or not, he still has to command them. So later Archer kind of, he starts distancing himself a little bit. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what do you think about that, Brandon? Well, absolutely. Like when, you know, you get to the season four episode home, it's called home, right? Mm-hmm. The third episode there, yep. you know, he's bitter, he's angry, he's upset. And he, he's, you know, honestly, just talking to him, I, I think the guys might be suicidal, you know, at that point, like he's really, really in a low point in his life at that time. And it's interesting to watch him. Like, I wish they would have dealt with that a little bit more than just that one episode, but I know that they were they pretty much knew that they were in their final season. But, you know, by the end of it, you know, when we get all the way to These Are the Voyages, which I understand is not people's favorite finale, but we see how important Archer becomes. So he, you know, he he has this really low point and he, the rest of season four is basically bringing him back up to the point where he's going to be this, this very, very important person in the Federation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it was a it was a good ending. I I thought it was good. I mean, it wasn't the best, but like, yeah. I mean, it, I you know, play. I mean, what a way to you know, uh, uh, you know, play back you know the last few years or year or couple months um, of you know the Enterprise's you know um, voyages and you know basically just you know, review them as as they did. I mean, it, and it's great great to see that you know at least at least he's uh, that important to you know the Federation history <laughs> right. or at least a foundation. So. Or, or at least as much as uh, Riker made him out to be in his hollow novel, you know, right. I mean, you, you, there's a, there's a ride out. We, there's always a way out of this, you know, you either right. like it or you don't, if you don't, you know, it's fiction. If you do, then, you know, it's historical fact, you know, but right. Anyway, I like the, I mean, I like to play that they, they could play the chef and then talk to everyone else like they have an opinion and everything. And I'm like, wow, that's all right. That that would be a fun program to do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That, yeah, I that that would rank right up there. And that that and the uh, the worst case scenario from Voyager. Oh, that right. is one of my favorites. Right. I love that episode. <laughs> right. So, Richard, you were uh, you you made a strong case for Archer here. So, uh, did, what, what were, what, what final thoughts do you have for Brandon Shea in case you haven't changed his mind yet? Still Cisco. S- <laughs> still Cisco. Oh, come on, dude. Cisco. Cisco. Cisco is some serious B A M F. Okay. So I get it. He's a space station commander. He, his post is very important to Bajor and the Federation and even, a choke point to uh, the Dominion because of the wormhole, but the the problem I have with Cisco is, is that he stopped growing once the war once the Dominion War started, or at least to me he did. I mean, yeah, they have a relationship um, uh, with um, what is her name? Um, who Dax his love? Kira? No, not oh, Cassidy Yates. Cassidy Yates, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, after she gets out of prison 
And that's great and everything, but it, I don't know. I really wish – one of the things I really hated about Cisco was that I really wished there was more interaction with his son. And more of more of the family is what I was saying because I mean, a lot of that show was family. A lot of in in especially in wartime, of any time, um, and I really wish they would have focused on that. Really, I would. And I mean, I mean, you're on a space station, and, you're, and it's one of the most heavily defended for, uh, fortresses in the in the Alpha Quadrant, or yeah, Alpha Quadrant. And you know, you would have your family there, so why not have stories about your family and. And whatnot. That that's my only that's my only beef with uh, DS9. Otherwise, the rest of the the rest of the show is fantastic. I love it. Very good. Very good. <laughs> but so, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> where would you? So Richard, we've talked about Captain Archer possibly uh, coming to trial for some of the things that he had to do during the Zindi conflict. So what what would you have thought about that since he's your favorite captain? How would you have liked to have seen Captain Archer come into a situation such as court martial like Kirk had to go into? Uh, well, if he failed, then obviously he would be responsible. But since he didn't, I agree with what he did. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's not like him failing in his mission at the Zindi or succeeding in the mission with the Zindi. It's the actions that he took, you know. You know, like I, stranding uh, that crew. Right. No, and I no, I knew what you were talking about. It's, okay, it, yeah, it's yeah. just like you know some of the things that yes, it, it was for for the greater good of humanity. That's all I'm saying. It. Yeah. It, to me, yeah, yeah it, it would suck if it was like if it was like TNG. Deep Space Nine, well, not so much Voyager, or even TOS. Um, yeah, of course, Court Martial, by all means. But, you know, in basically a, a dire time when uh, humanity was possibly going to get eliminated, um, I would say that that's, a, that's, a, that's okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, for like court mar- uh, for being Court Martial, I mean, the excuse, I mean, it would be a terrible excuse and probably be a reprimand on his record, but... I really think that you know desperate uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, and for sure, um, extermination is a is a really you know desperate time. <laughs> right. Very good. Very good. So, Brandon, you said he hasn't convinced you about Archer over Cisco, but what what would be your th- final thoughts about uh, what you've heard about Archer so far? I like Archer. I think he's a really good captain. I like Scott Bakula's portrayal about him. I was just listening to an older episode of To the Journey, and you know Tristan was saying about how much he doesn't like Scott Bakula's acting, and I do. I like his portrayal of Archer, and I don't know if that's just Scott Bakula's acting style or not, or if that's just how he chose to portray Captain Archer. Again, like I said, I'm not very familiar with his other works, but... I think that Archer is a welcome addition to my Star Trek franchise, and I don't dislike him at all. I mean, there's no captain that I don't like. They've all got their own unique caricature, you know, their unique idiosyncrasies that make them stand out in some small way. And what I like about Archer is his friendliness and his approachability and that kind of buddy captain. Very good. Yeah, I'm. I like Kirk. I guess, I mean, again, nostalgia might put him at the top, but Archer's right there. He's right there. I mean, let's face it, 
Kirk read Archer's logs to learn how to be a captain. In its continuity, Cap Kirk wouldn't be the captain he was without Archer. See, so, right there, right there. <laughs> See, so technically, Archer was the one who, who started the Shatner game, and then Shatner copied it. Ah, okay, uh-huh. okay. I need to be like Archer. But Cisco, <laughs> Kirk was Cisco's her- hero. So indirectly there, Cisco was also getting his game from Archer also. You know, so if we want to read it down the line like that. So, yeah, I I, I like Bacula's portrayal of Archer. I mean, it, it it can put some people off. But if you get into it and you think of it as the prequel, as a homage or whatever, you know, it, it's very Star Trek-y to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like early Star Trek-y, the way that Bacula plays Archer. And I, I like that. So... Jonathan Archer is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week, so here's what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Melodic Treks. Maybe we could even get a whole other episode of Melodic Treks out of it at some point. Mm-hmm. More highbrow approach for a more uh, dignified listener. We'll drink our Earl Grey and maybe have a cigar, and <laughs> I would like some scotch. Yes, and don't forget the grey poupon. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Pardon me, do you have any grey poupon? Saturday morning trek. The line that I thought was really interesting, twist me widdershins, mean a direction contrary to the sun's course, considered as unlucky, counterclockwise. So instead of saying, twist me counterclockwise, they said, twist me Wittershins. So they use the word Wittershins? Wittershins, That's yeah. a word? Yes. That's then a apparently real world. A, a child in 1973 should have known, apparently. Um, wow. That is... I missed that, and I don't ever want to hear the word. It's a terrible word. It's a terrible word. Literary tricks. I do have to say this one shot, this one full-page shot of the Enterprise in orbit of this world with these nuclear explosions going off all over the surface as far as you know you can pick little parts about you know the ship maybe not looking quite right or a little cartoony or whatever this is a gorgeous shot i think this is beautiful the ready room well larry you know in this case in the writer's room the real question on discovery right now is to hoof or not to hoof Oh no! Well, my thing is to to three finger or to five finger. So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> what will they do with the Tellarite hands? <laughs> I mean, the Klingon forehead's got an example, uh, a, a, an answer. When are we ever going to have a reason for what happened to the five fingered Tellarites versus the? Yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. And if you're not... Please. (laughs) Please. And if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. And you can stream, download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link from our website. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Uh, Boomers, if Archer is your favorite, please let us know. If there's another captain that you prefer, hey, let us know why that is your favorite captain. We'd love to hear from you. 
the best place to get in that conversation is on the Babel conference, our listeners group on Facebook. So just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and join in the discussion. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And if you'd like to send us a voice transmission, the comm officer has the frequency open. Just go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, record your message, and Brandon Shea will add to a future episode. I dare you. I dare you to leave us a voicemail. Uh, Chicken. <laughs> he dared you last time, boomers, and now he's doing it again. Go ahead and just call him on that. We'll add. See, I knew we wouldn't get any. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select work five. That will come right to us. And it is so cool to get an email in my inbox from work five listeners. It's really, really cool. And we actually have a work five email this time. Brandon, could you read that for us? This is from Ed Pato from Adelaide, South Australia. Right on. That's, that's pretty far away. How that's far away? Cool. That's on the other side of the world. That's awesome. It's <laughs> far away. It's, it's weird when we get this information that it's like somebody on the other side of the planet's listening to me. I'm in Canada. You know? I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Thanks. Right Very on, cool. Ed. Hi, guys. Should I try it with an Australia accident? There accent you go. Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, go guys. I've seen all of the Enterprise. Inter- oh, that's just terrible. This is brutal. I'm not even going to. I'm sorry. Hi, guys. I've seen all of the Enterprise episodes on my Blu-ray collections. Just recently, I've started to watch them all on Netflix. And although I really liked Enterprise the first time, watching them again, I realized just how good the series was. To everyone at Warp 5, please keep up your great work because you're keeping this great series alive. And with the hope one day that they might make a telly movie carrying on from season four. If there is a score for Warp 5... I would make it 11 out of 10. Great hosts and great show. Thanks so much, Ed. We really appreciate you taking the time to send us a little note. You know, it really makes us feel good to get that little bit of contact with our listeners because it makes us know that we're not doing this in a vacuum. So we really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yep, that is so cool. Thank you so much, Ed. If you'd like, to- I'm sorry I tried to do an Australian accent. That I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? <laughs> sure that's... I'm watching The Leftovers right now and the season 3 of The Leftovers is taking place in Australia ah. right so like and it's so good if you haven't seen The Leftovers throw away your Enterprise Blu-rays and watch it watch The Leftovers because it's so good well, you don't... it's in it's final season on HBO right now you don't watch ha- it it's so good you don't have to throw away the Blu-rays you just have to switch them to in storage. something else yeah <laughs> yeah little... don't throw them away keep them there good go. so yeah if you'd like to help us keep our shows coming to you each but week The Leftovers is better you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. So visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trekfm to get all the details. So perks like you can get associate producer credits. Uh, that's at the $25 mark. Uh, you can get, uh, if you go, go at the $15 or more, you actually get to be on the patrons roundtable. And actually the very first podcast that I ever did was patrons Roundtable number two. And Richard Marquez was on that with me. I was, I remember that. <laughs> yep. But I also remember I didn't talk that much either. <laughs> well, we all have to start, you know, right. it, was, it was kind of, we had the Brady bunch thing going on there. Cause there was a lot of people on that show. Yeah. Well, Richard does his talk. <laughs> But yeah, we, uh, for as little as a $1 a month, if we just had one, all of our Trek FM listeners 
just do $1 a month. It would help us out so much. Like we could actually, we could hire professional editors that would save us a lot of time as far, as far as our volunteer work goes. And we could create so much more content. Uh, if you bump it up to $5 a month, you actually get access to the patron zone and Brandon is the patron zone manager. So Brandon, what can they expect to see there? Lots of shenanigans like early releases of episodes and a little bit of exclusive content. And I'm, re- I'm digging into deep into the Trek FM vault and I'm pulling out whatever dusty files I can find, like an old interview by Mike Schindler talking about a, a fan series called uh, Humber City. And uh, it's something a little bit unrelated, but some people that de- have done some Star Trek fan films and stuff. So you can go and check out some deep dive. I mean, if you want to make sure you listen to everything Trek FM, those will be on there. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Very good. And we really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash Trek FM. Also, if you want to wear your Trek.fm fandom, you can find great Trek FM theme merchandise at trekfm.store. So I always like to take this time to thank our co-associate producers, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, and Justin Oser. They support. Thank you so much. They're on the associate producer level from Patreon, and we surely appreciate all of their support for Warp 5. Thank you so much, guys. I also like to thank Brandon Shea for editing and publishing Warp 5. Again, without without his efforts, this would not exist. So thank you so much, Brandon. Very welcome. And Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art. Uh, anytime that you see uh, one of our announcements and you see the show art, that's coming from Tony. And actually, Richard, if Richard doesn't press the publish button, we wouldn't get to hear anything on Trek FM. So thank you so much, Richard. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I also want to thank Tony for something else. I've been doing the, uh, on Twitter lately, I've been doing the Twitter polls on Trek FM's Twitter page. Yes. And uh, I've also been doing a daily birthday greeting and a daily on this day in Trek. And uh, Tony does helps me out by doing the research to get the picture ready and to tell me what event to publish. So Tony's been a wonderful addition to the network. And make sure you check out his show on the network, Continuing Mission, which is all about the independent productions of Star Trek films. Very good, very good. So thank you so much, Richard, for coming on. I hope with all the uh, shenanigans that goes on here on this on this episode of Warp 5 that we can have you back. I hope we haven't scared you away. What, what do you say? Oh, absolutely. I would love to come back and talk Enterprise again. <laughs> So if uh, someone, one of our listeners wants to make an argument of a Cisco or maybe another captain, maybe Janeway as being better than Archer, how could they get in touch with you? Well, they can find me in the fighting ring at the Babel conference (laughs) (laughs) on Facebook. Um, And um, and they can also listen uh, to, uh, uh, to my show with uh, Amy and uh, Amy Nelson and Lee Hutchinson on Earl Gray on that Drops every Tuesday. So, yeah, you can always uh, do that. Or you can leave us a message. It's one of the two. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Richard's, uh, Richard's wrestling name in the Babel Conference is The Tellerite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but it's going to have like a mask with it, like the masked Tellerite or something like that. The masked Tellerite? <laughs> yeah. And Brandon, if someone wants to uh, discuss with you about how Cisco rules and everyone else drools, uh, what, how can they get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Metella. You can find me every once in a while poking my head up in the Babel Conference, where I'm known as... I'm, I'm Ukrainian, so I'm I'm Brandon, the Ukrainian wrestler. And my uh, 
my unique wrestling move is the pierogi pile driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> and uh, yes, and then. <laughs> I don't know. And you can also find me on my other show, Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And by the time this is out, you need to check out my Patriot Games episode that I did with John Takis, which is an excellent episode and I think maybe one of the best talks that I've ever had on that podcast. Uh, you can find me as well on the Fandom Podcast Network with my buddies Tom Caldwell and Chris Haig, where we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock on our podcast, Good Evening. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Good Evening Pod and uh, on the Fandom Podcast Network. Excellent. And uh, Floyd, where can people find you when you're not uh, crying in your beer? I guess. You can find me in the Babel Conference. Uh, I, you know, I actually have two beers usually, one in each hand. That way, if I'm crying too much in one, you know, I can down the other one. But yeah, definitely in the Babel Conference, the Chuck Finn listeners page on Facebook. So, boomers, thank you so much for listening and join us again next time for another episode of Warp 5. Dump-